What kind of impact will a seemingly ageless Larry Fitzgerald have in fantasy this season? Can Pat Shermer create big fantasy value for Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, and more? And we break down the first 2020 FFPC best ball draft of the year. We've got a great show for you. I'm here. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Everybody, if you got what it takes, cause I'm KRX and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thank you so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. Uh, my co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. He's actually off tonight, uh, so does yours truly, piloting this ship for the next hour. Uh, coming up on tonight's show, we're going to talk about what a 30-year-old wunderkind taking over at offensive coordinator for the Panthers means for Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and more. Whether Alvin Kamara is going to go the Le'Veon Bell route for his contract this offseason. And what to make of the first few rounds of the first 2020 FFPC best ball draft that is taking place right now. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman. Uh, this evening, you can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFFHour. If you want to chime in and talk with us, give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVO. We'll put you right on the air. Of course, our audio engineer and uh, my best friend Bryce is working hard on that, as well as our producer and mutual friend Rob Manning, that high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com address. Uh, if you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them in. We'll do our best to uh, get to all the, uh, the emails, the chat room questions, the tweets and everything throughout the show tonight. I will tell you that we have um, a decent amount of news to get to. Uh, we also want to get, and I know we've, we've been building it up, most of the day today on social media about breaking down the first few rounds of this uh, 2020 FFPC best ball that is going on right now. And uh, I think they're in round four or five. I just brought up the draft board. They are, oh, it actually just started. They're at the 502 right now. So we'll have uh, four rounds to break down for sure. Uh, we'll talk about that. I know that there's more than one draft going on right now. We actually have several drafts going. Uh, I'm going to be concentrating on this one tonight, the first one to go off uh, this season. Uh, a couple of surprises in there we'll definitely want to talk about. Of course, uh, if you want to check out uh, all the analysis on the best balls going on right now, at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, FantasyMojo.com. Darren Armani, the godfather of the Pros versus Joes competition, is putting together all that data, uh, data 
as he uh, does every year for us here at the FFPC. Uh, great spot to uh, check out before you jump into your first draft. Uh, the best ball drafts are live right now at myffpc.com. At the thirty-five seventy-seven and two hundred fifty-dollar level, uh, slow drafts going on with two-hour clocks, six-hour clocks, a lot of stuff there. You can, uh, I think we we ended up launching these uh, about two days earlier this year than we did last year. And I know that when we settle up the I got five on it, uh, you know, coming up with with Dave uh, Gerzak here in the next few weeks, uh, I'm going to win that one because I said that uh, that that's um, that that they actually started before the season was over. And sure enough, they went uh, went off before the conference championships uh, this past uh, uh, this past year, and then they're going off again this past year as we're a couple of days away from the conference championships. You can j- jump in a 2020 best ball, get an early start on that right now. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Dynasty Orphans uh, that are available at myffpc.com. Just go ahead and click on Play, and then Dynasty Leagues. You'll get a link to all the Dynasty Leagues currently available. You'll get the full roster, all the picks that are available, the normal price, and then the sale price on them. Not all of them are discounted. Some of them are. New ones are popping up um, every couple of days on there, so I would uh, encourage you to go check that out. I will say that that we got, you know, every year for, for Dynasty Leagues, um, people give up their teams. Uh, it could be because they don't like them. Uh, they, they lost the spark. They don't want to play Dynasty anymore. They tried Dynasty. They didn't care for it. Um, there's plenty of good teams out there that, uh, you know, are not left in disrepair. You know, people have work stuff come up, family stuff come up, a uh, variety of things. And, and these teams are actually in really good shape. Uh, and some of them uh, I'm sure we could probably sell for more than the asking price, which we don't do. Uh, but you should check that out if you're looking to pick up a Dynasty Orphan. We won't launch any Dynasty startups this year uh, until all those Dynasty Orphans are filled. So, And there's uh, probably a few dozen on there yet to be filled. Uh, as soon as they are, we'll start launching some, uh, some Maiden drafts. That's all coming up at myffpc.com. Uh, Two-packer in the chat room already chiming in on that best ball draft that's going on, talking about the final pick of the first round, which a lot of people were shocked at. But yet, Two-packer... Of course, he of the Revelations draft saying uh, that uh, they make the ADP, and he's saying that this is where he's going to go all year. It's what he's hearing from his inner circles, and uh, I don't know who's in those inner circles. I know I am not part of it because I am not hearing that from anyone, but that's all coming up later on in the show. Let's get to some news. We might bounce around here and, and talk about you know, where guys are going in, in that first draft and, and what have you. So it'll be a fun little, uh, fun little hour here tonight. As uh, we, we talk, we're, I mean, I know the conference championships are, are going on. The Super Bowl is just, you know, a little over two weeks away. We still have to crown a champion in 2019. Uh, but I think a lot of fantasy players have already turned the page looking forward to 2020. I know a lot, a lot of dynasty players have been turning the page uh, or have turned the page over the last month or so. Uh, and they're already focused on building their teams up for this year, concentrating on rookie drafts. So there's uh, plenty, of, uh, plenty of stuff to discuss. I want to lead things off with an interesting note out of Arizona. Yesterday... Kyler Murray was asked by Bob McManaman, who is a columnist for the Arizona Republic, if he'd ever consider playing both football and baseball within the same year. The quote from Kyler Murray, and this is a little telling, athletically, I think, yeah, I could do it. I've been playing both my whole life. I would love to add that to the resume. I don't understand why in sports they try to marginalize it. They try to make you pick one, and I get it, but we'll see. I think it would be fun. Right now, though, I'm just focused on football. So for a guy who has committed to football, who would lose all of his, um, you know, 
future guarantees in his contract if he decided to play baseball. This is kind of an interesting response. I don't think it, it, as far as drafting right now uh, or in dynasty leagues, it doesn't really change the way I feel about Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be a stud. I think this is just conjecture. Uh, I don't think uh, he, he is going to return to be playing baseball. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. So I, and, and in fact, if, if you have an owner in your league that think he thinks he might return and, and is not sure how that's going to play uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, they might want to throw some, uh, some offers out right now. Um, you know, if, if, the, if said owner values quarterbacks the way I do, um, you might be able to get a pretty good deal on them. That's what I'm looking at with Kyler Murray, but certainly uh, telling information there uh, with Kyler Murray, uh, not really slamming the door shut on baseball to say the least. Uh, LSU was crowned national champions this past Monday. I, I, I was looking at the, the offensive numbers for this team. Um, they, they got the hyphenated running back who just declared for the draft. I can't remember what his name is. He had well over a thousand yards rushing, but Joe Burrow, and that trio of receivers there uh, in, in Chase and Jefferson and Marshall, all well over, what was it, 1,400, 1,300 yards. They all had double-digit touchdowns. I want to say the, the one who had the least is 14. 100-plus, uh, 111 catches, 84 catches, and then like 60, 70 catches. It was insane, the numbers they put up this year. Absolute video game numbers, and they crown it with a come-from-behind victory over the Clemson Tigers uh, in the Big Easy. And, of course... What are we talking about from a football standpoint? Uh, it's Odell Beckham Jr. The New Orleans police have obtained an arrest warrant accusing Odell Beckham of simple battery in a locker room interaction he had with a New Orleans police officer on Monday night, according to Saints Now on Twitter. Now, the Cleveland Browns have already released a statement. We are aware of the incident and have been in touch with Odell and his representatives on the matter. They are cooperating with the proper authorities to appropriate, appropriately address the situation. What happened was, in the midst of this celebration, a police officer was bent over looking at an, an LSU player's water bottle or, or something. I don't know what he was looking at. But while he was bent over, Odell Beckham uh, smacked him, open-handed palm, right on the posterior which is insanely bizarre and stupid. Um, and, and that wasn't the least of it. Uh, he was also caught on camera handing out cash to LSU players after the game, some of them who are, are still enrolled at the school and are coming back for the 2020 college football season. So now he's got the New Orleans police on him. There's an arrest warrant out, for goodness sakes, and the NCAA's on him. This is a serious matter. The NFL has always treated the NCAA with aplomb, knowing that it is the feeder organization that dumps collegiate players into the NFL, makes the brand great. I don't know what's going to happen of this, of this Beckham thing. I, I don't... You know, I keep, I've been making excuses for Odell Beckham because, because of his talent. And, you know, I always thought he was worth the headache. Because it wasn't like this Antonio Brown nonsense where it was, you know, clearly something mentally is, is off with the guy. Now, maybe you could make the case for Beckham, but smacking a police officer uh, on the butt in a, in a celebration, handing out wads of cash to players, okay. I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's not that huge of a deal, although the other one – I guess they, what they tried to hang on uh, with was um, – a, a sexual battery, which does not get expunged off your permanent record, 
but um, simple battery does, and that's what it ended up being uh, with simple battery for Odell Beckham. All right, so I own Beckham in one dynasty league. I'm not looking to move him right now because I feel like you're selling low. Um, no more Freddie Kitchens. It's the Kevin Stefanski show in Cleveland. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, willing to give him one more year, see what Kevin Stefanski can do with Mayfield, Beckham, Landry, and Joku, Chubb, and that offense. He's got a lot of tools to work with. I, I just keep coming back to that first year uh, where, where Beckham really just set the world on fire and then followed up with a pretty damn good season, too. Um, it, it may be a fool's errand. But I, I believe that unless somebody knocks my socks off for a trade with Beckham, I'm going to hang on to him, see if that, val- uh, that value will build back up. Um, that, now, that may be the wrong decision. And it's certainly, if you want to get rid of him, feel free to do so. I, I mean, I get it. I, I understand why you would not want him on your dynasty team anymore. But also bear in mind that you're probably at this point, you know, unless you get a, a big Beckham fan in your league, you're probably selling him for 60, 65 cents on the dollar, maybe 70 or 75, but I don't, I don't think he could get that much for him. I, I really think his talent, the fact that he's got a young quarterback who he's trying to develop chemistry with, I think there's something still there. There was a lot of bad pub, a lot of bad news, you know, him telling you know, come, teams to, to come get him. You know, believe that if you want. I I don't really know. Certainly could have happened. Still willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for one more year based on his talent, based on his production. He's already done it. It's not like this is ultimate potential. He's already done this. He's had electric seasons already with the Giants. I think it'll happen again. And I'm I'm willing to wait that one out. Larry Fitzgerald, you heard about it in the opening. He is coming back for his 17th season in the NFL. AZCardinals.com had this announcement. Now, Larry Fitzgerald, it, may, it would have made a lot of sense for him to retire. You know, they're bringing in Kingsbury, bringing in Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, all these young guys. Um, you know, we'll see what they do with Kenyon Drake. He stuck around for one more year as a bridge. The old guard sort of handing things over to the new guard. And I thought that'd be it. But it's not it. He's going to come back. So this is excited to come back on a one-year $11 million deal. And he'll continue to be a sounding board, the veteran presence for those young receivers. He almost was a full-time player last season. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't break 72 yards in a game over his final 14 games of the season. And you got to believe he's going to lose snaps to Andy Isabella, who, you know, hopefully it clicks for him in year two. Hakeem Butler was on injured reserve pretty much all season. Oh, literally all season, excuse me. He got put there in preseason. So I don't know. I mean, like, from a fantasy perspective, yeah, it's always cool to draft fits as, as old reliable. I don't know how reliable he's going to be this year. I felt better about Jason Witten coming back last year at the tight end position for drafting him than I do about Fitzgerald next year. And it's just because of, of how the, the the team is framed. You know, these young receivers that they have there. I, I just, I don't know why you invest that kind of draft capital into that position and draft the, the players I mentioned. Not to mention uh, Kishon Johnson, who was on that team, got a lot of preseason hype last season. 
I'm not sure why you would draft all those guys unless you had big plans for them. Two-packer chiming in. Uh, the non-cheapo ranking says you don't draft Larry Fitzgerald no matter what. You take guys who produce, and then in the double-digit rounds, take flyers on darts. Lunch pail Larry and his eight points per week aren't cutting it. I tend to agree with that. You know, where's the upside in that? I mean, he'd really, really have to plunge. Now I get in, like, maybe a best ball situation. You take a chance on him. Uh, for those of you who are playing multiple best ball leagues, I can kind of see that, where you'd want to get him on a few. There could be some spike weeks for Fitzgerald this coming year, too, with Kyler Murray there. I mean, he looked electric as all get out. So, you know, I mean, maybe there is the potential for, like, a seven for 140 and two touchdowns here or there. Maybe not. Certainly the, the ceiling isn't nearly as high as it used to be. But I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely more bearish on him than I ever have been before. That said, I hope he proves me wrong because I love watching him play. I hope he comes back for an 18th, 19th, 20th season, never retire. Be the Vince Carter of the NFL. Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter announced that the Carolina Panthers hired Uh, LSU wide receivers coach slash passing game coordinator Joe Brady as their new OC. Of course, the Carolina Panthers dealing with the new HC this year in uh, ex-Baylor coach Matt Rule. LSU's passing attack, we talked about it earlier, was awesome. I mean, I, I honestly, I remember watching Florida State put up some sick numbers with, uh, Rashad Green, Kelvin Benjamin, Jameis Winston. They were awesome when they won that national title over Auburn. I mean, that game they came back to win, but they dominated everybody else that season. I mean, they're blowing people out, winning by 30. I think their average uh, margin of victory is something like 31.3. I mean, they they blasted Clemson by like 40 in Death Valley that year. I mean, it's just, just insane. And I didn't think I'd see anything like that for quite a while, especially the way that the game has has shifted to these mobile quarterbacks, um, you know, doing as much damage with their legs as they are with their arms. Joe Burrow's a total throwback, and he put up some crazy numbers. And you got to attribute part of that to the game prep of Joe Brady and Ed Orgeron. LSU played one of if the not if not the toughest schedule. You think about all those SEC teams they beat. Uh, the two teams they played in the college football playoff, they beat them. And quite frankly, they were beating them handily. I mean, they were up 700 to nothing, I, I think, over Oklahoma in the, in the semifinal. And that's not, I mean, certainly players have a huge impact on that, but Joe Brady had a big impact on that too. He is only 30 years old. He was actually an offensive assistant under Sean Payton, um, before he spent this past year at LSU. Now he will get to work with Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Remember, Moore and McCaffrey caught 1,000 yards receiving this past year. I, I, you know, I would imagine Greg Olson is – you know, if he comes back, he, he's, he's just going to be a guy at this point. I keep waiting for Ian Thomas to sort of be freed. I don't know if that's going to happen if Olsen keeps coming back. But I'm excited about this. And, and I don't, you know, it's not going to change. We, we, we'll talk about this draft in a little bit here uh, at, at the bottom of the hour. But, you know, 
Christian McCaffrey's going to be the 101. He's, he, he should have been the de facto 101 last year. He wasn't. I think a lot of the industry pundits really wanted Saquon Barkley as the, the number one, and that's cool. Um, I didn't take him as the 101 anywhere. I, I got him as, you know, a, a, as late as the four, I think, in a couple of my drafts. Um, but McCaffrey was a slam dunk 101 for me last year. He's got to be the slam dunk 101 for almost everybody this year. And to, to have a young offensive coordinator come in with previous NFL experience in one of the most electric offenses in football with the Saints, to have him come in and now gets to, to mold McCaffrey and more. I mean, those guys were going to shoot up draft boards on their own merits. DJ Moore, um, I'll just reference it right now. Uh, he, in this uh, FFPC uh, best ball draft, uh, ended up being taken at the 304. He was, as you remember, the HSFF hours hype man last year, the guy who got hyped up. We were hyping him up maybe into the fifth round. He's going in the third round right now, and that could go higher. So I'm excited about this. I think this is a, uh, this is a great win. I mean, with you know, Matt Rule went down to Baylor to take over a team that has put massive emphasis on the offense but not so much on the defense. And Rule, what he did great at Temple was, was he, he had a great defense there. And he brought that def- defense and, and all that knowledge to make Baylor, you know, make Baylor great again. And he did on both sides of the ball. You know, he had never really dealt with this high-powered offense before. I think getting that experience at Baylor is going to prep him uh, and Joe Brady nicely for Carolina. So uh, give, me, uh, give me McCaffrey, give me DJ Moore, and honestly, give me a little Curtis Samuel too. You know, he was another guy that was hyped up um, the last two or three weeks of draft season last year and never really materialized. I think people are going to sour on him this year a little bit. I think that uh, that he is going to slip in drafts, and he might be a good value, especially in best ball drafts. Non-sheeple rankings posted today by Tupacker. He says DJ Moore is a sheeple pick. I can see that. Sometimes I'm a sheeple, or a sherson, as it were. But I don't know. I mean, it all depends, like, where he's going to go in drafts. Um, as far as what receiver he was, off the board in this uh, FFPC best ball that went off. If I'm counting correctly, it looks like he was the 11th receiver selected. Yeah, he was the 11th receiver out. That seems about right. I, I'd have to. We're going to go through it when when Dizzle gets back on the show. We're going to go through and see how the wide receivers finished. But that seems about right to me. The 11th receiver off the board for DJ Moore. So I take him there. Now if it gets a little crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, he's going as wide receiver six or something like that, I'll, I'll move on. But right now I like it. I also like this next player that we're going to talk about. Kind of a love-hate relationship, and I think everybody who drafted him this season had a love-hate relationship with him as well. In the NFC Divisional Playoff against the Green Bay Packers, Tyler Lockett was targeted ten times. He caught nine of them for 136 yards and a touchdown in this game, this past game. That was his fifth hundred yard receiving performance of 2019. But when it was bad, it was really bad for Lockett. He had 51 or uh, 51 yards or fewer nine other times, nine times as principal Rooney would say. And remember when you're dealing with a Seahawks team that loves to run the ball, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, 
you're, you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit with Lockett and Metcalf. And, and speaking of Metcalf, I'll, I'll fully admit I was way wrong about him. I thought he was going to be a complete stone in the NFL. And not only is he not, he had a sensational rookie season too. You think about all the things that he's done as far as his route running in just one season. He's the real deal. And he might be the number one next year in Seattle. As much as Lockett has been my boy and Metcalf never was, he might be the number one guy in that offense next year. Brian Schottenheimer obviously did not run the ball, but Lockett ended up, uh, or he, he did not pass the ball a lot. He loved running the ball. Lockett still got over 1,000 yards, finished with 82 catches, 1,057, and eight touchdowns. That's his uh, best ever in catches and yards. I believe it's his second best ever in touchdowns, if I remember correctly. In 2018, he had 10. Turns 28 next season. I, you know, I, It's weird because in, in some drafts, he's going to be selected very low because a lot of people got burned on him, you know, and they'll remember that. They don't, they don't want that inconsistency. Now, in best ball, you probably do. Best ball, you don't care because you're, you're, you don't have to worry about starting him or not. You're going to get that production regardless. But in the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship, I don't know. I can tell you right now in, in the draft that's going on, as I stated earlier, they are at the 502, and Tyler Lockett is still on the board. So I can kind of see that. Wow, that 501 pick. We're going to have to talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> I did not see that coming. A lot of interesting picks in this draft, but Tyler Lockett, not one of them. Uh, maybe we'll talk next week about where he went in that league. Moving on out west, or I guess moving further back east because we were talking about Seattle, to Denver. The uh, fired uh, coach from the New York Giants, Pat Shermer, is the new offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. This according to Jordan Renan on Twitter. The Broncos OC last year was Rich Scangarello. He was actually fired this past Sunday. And Shermer was actually, um, he had a lot of heat on him around the league. The Bears were looking at, at trying to get him, but he decided that uh, he'd rather go the Denver route with uh, Fant and, and Lindsey and um, uh, Sutton and Locke uh, over what the Bears had. Obviously, uh, with the... Uh, the defensive boss there, Vic Fangio, it is going to be uh, Pat Shermer's show. Um, he would not have had that opportunity in Chicago, as Matt Nagy pretty much controls everything there. I'm sure that factored into it. Pat, you know, say we will about Pat Shermer, the head coach. He hasn't been very successful. As the offensive coordinator, he's been pretty good. And now he won't have to worry about the defense or being the CEO. Royce Freeman, obviously, still there as well. I don't know. This, I, I'm I think this Denver offense is one to watch out for. I think that this is a team that you could see, you know, Cortland Sutton stepped up big last year. Philip Lindsay did it for the second year in a row. We'll have to watch what John Elway does with his contract. As, as Elway says, he, he wants to take a look at getting Lindsay paid. Um, and Royce Freeman, we're still waiting for him to break out. He could have a big, you know, Noah Fant really came on at the end of last year too. He's going to be a popular pick. I'd be very curious to see where he goes among the top tight ends in FFPC drafts. Certainly a name to watch for is Fant. And I like Sutton quite a bit. You know, I I think that what he's been able to, you know, the biggest thing with him coming into the NFL was he kind of fought the ball, uh, had his issues with drops. Well, he did both of those things. You know, he continued to do both those things in certain stretches last year, and he still put up a pretty darn good season. 
He went off the board in this FFPC draft at the 403. I have no problem with that. I mean, as, as, as a top, you know, 20 receiver, sure. I get it. I, I'd, I'd have him as my number two receiver. He could be big, you know, especially with Drew Locke. You know, if he makes a couple of steps forward, you know, he got that extra experience last year. I could see Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton being a popular combination that we're talking about on Sundays going forward, especially when we're watching Red Zone. You'd be interrupted. Uh, we'll, they'll be interrupting all the time to go to Denver for hopefully a bomb to, from Locke to Sutton. I, I, I think I'm going to have a lot of Sutton next year um, for where he's going in drafts right now. Uh, staying in Denver, Philip Lindsay actually had surgery on his uh, right wrist. Uh, this uh, would have been yesterday. Um, it, it didn't sound like anything serious. It, it was probably just some sort of cleanup. And he's expected to be ready to go right away, but this is not the first time he's had problems with this wrist. Um, you know, typically when you have – that was a serious wrist injury for Lindsay. And when you have issues like that, surgery doesn't tend to make it all better. It makes it pretty good, but, you, you know, you are susceptible to, to further injuries at that, you know, spot on your body that you had surgery on. We had a, a ton of guests come on during draft season last year, and, and Philip Lindsay was something I asked him uh, a lot about because he was kind of a polarizing running back as, as far as where you'd want to take him. And over and over again, invariably, the response I got was, well, Balky, if this was a leg injury, if this was something below the waist, I'd have a lot more issues with it. With a wrist, you know, you can kind of deal with that. And Lindsay did deal with it. And he was good last year. You know, for where you drafted him, I think he returned pretty darn good value. And, and I just got done talking about how I think that Denver offense is, is going to take a step forward. You know, Kansas City, you think about that division. Kansas City has their issues on defense. Oakland obviously does. The Chargers, have their, you know, they have the players there, but they're always hurt. And you could make some you could make some noise out there. And I think Lindsey and Sutton are, are two definite noisemakers for the Broncos. Now this is interesting. Normally I don't bring up hold uh, holdout stuff like this, but there's a reason I'm I'm gonna talk about Alvin Kamara and his contract. Um ESPN's uh Mike Triplett had a report saying that Kamara could actually hold out this year to try to secure a long term extension. Other of the top contributors from that draft class can have their fifth-year options picked up, but Kamara is uh, going to be an f- uh, unrestricted free agent after this coming season because I believe he was a third-round pick, if I'm remembering correctly. At chat room, go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong. I thought Kamara was a third-round pick out of Tennessee, uh, but he wasn't a first-rounder, which means that there's no option. He only plays about two-thirds of the, of the Saints' offensive snaps, so certainly the valuation is a little bit different. But how do you value a guy like that? He, he, you can't really call him a bell cow because he, he's always had that 1B, whether it be Mark Ingram. Well, he was the 1B to Mark Ingram, I guess you could make the case, uh, for, for half a season, and then he sort of took over. And then you had Latavius Murray last year um, soaking up a lot of touches. The other thing to, to keep in mind with Kamara, think about the big running back contracts that have been paid 
over the course of the last three seasons in the NFL. Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott. I'd be willing to wager that all four of those teams, the Rams, Cardinals, Jets, and um, Cowboys, might all have second thoughts had they had the opportunity right now to rip up that contract and, and redo it. I don't really see teams paying oodles of cash to running backs going forward, given what we've seen happen. So the Saints, you know, an organization that you know, you know, does, I don't want to say they have cap issues, but they don't have a lot of money to throw around. Are they going to pay a guy like that? A guy who's only out there two-thirds of the amount of time? A guy that, you know, maybe they've gotten the best production out of him because he has been battered now the last three years in the NFL? Seeing what's already happened with some of these big-time running backs? And Kamara probably has the lowest snap count out of all of them, at least in their primes. It'll be very interesting. Because we've seen the running back devalued in drafts. Are we going to start to see it being devalued now in second contracts? It's entirely possible and something that I think dynasty owners for Alvin Kamara should definitely be um, looking at. Backer chiming in, 67th overall was Kamara. That would make him an uh, early third-round pick. You got a sheeple rating apparently today. I'm with you on that one. I don't know if I'm going to be taking Kamara. He went fifth overall in this draft, sixth overall in this draft, in this FFPC draft. And he was basically a top four pick last year, so he hasn't slipped that much. I'm actually surprised he went that high. But, you know, as, as we always say, it only takes one person to like somebody. All right, shifting our focus to Dynasty, Clemson wide receiver T. Higgins announced this past Wednesday he's going to enter the NFL draft. Uh, he's going to be one of the best options in what should be a very deep receiver class. Uh, you know, people are pimping. You know, they pimp up the receiver class every single year, and oftentimes they don't live up to it. This one might. Uh, it's certainly a deeper one, so you're going to have a lot of hits. You just, you just will. There's, there's more volume here. It's hard to have all these guys miss. Um, he's a big guy. He's a fast guy. He, he doesn't drop the ball. Um, and he makes some pretty incredible catches as well. Now, the concern with him is he wasn't a um, full route tree runner at, at Clemson, but he's a very athletic guy, and this is a guy that with the right coach, he could really mold him. He's probably going to be a top 20 pick would be my guess. I guess he could slip between 20 and 32. I would love to see him go to my beloved Packers and be the 1B to Devontae Adams, although I'm, I'm, um, I'm not sure the Packers are, are going to soak a first-round pick into a receiver. They do have some other issues on that team. But playmate, you know, they are going to get a playmaker uh, on day one or day two of the draft. If you had a receiver, a tight end, a running back, probably a receiver. You got to look at running back, too. You know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are going to be free agents after this year. And Aaron Jones made himself a lot of money this year. And I'm not really sure if the Packers are willing to pay that. So maybe there's another bell cow waiting in the wings uh, to, to be that next great Packers running back. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But T. Higgins is going to be a, definitely a high-drafted dynasty rookie pick. Um, I know a lot of people have their dynasty rookie rankings out there already. Those are bound to switch as soon as uh, these guys get drafted. But T. Higgins very high on pretty much everybody's list. And Lord knows Clemson has a good track record with wide receivers. Austin Hooper, speaking of contracts, is a free agent. He's probably not going to get tagged 
by the Atlanta Falcons, at least if ESPN.com's Vaughn McClure has his say about it. The Atlanta Falcons invested heavy money into Julio Jones after they extended him this past season, and they already are paying Devontae Freeman a lot of money. There's a chance he could be released. Uh, so that's something that we're going to be paying attention to because Devontae Freeman, I think, obviously still has some juice left. So if they franchise, franchise tagged him, you know, I don't know how much sense that would make. He appeared in 13 games last season. He finished with 75 grabs for 787 yards and six touchdowns. Should be making about eight or nine million a year. I mean, it's, is he a fifty million dollar tight end? I don't know. Is he a forty million dollar tight end? I'm not sure. But as far as fantasy goes, he's going to be drafted fairly high. I think if you're drafting him, you want him to stay in Atlanta. He's got that, that established role there. And think about the the years that that Calvin Ridley and and Julio Jones had, and Austin Hooper is still putting up bananas numbers. That Atlanta passing offense continues to be underrated. Hooper would make an interesting stack if you want to get a Ridley-Hooper stack in a best ball or a Julio Jones-Austin Hooper stack in best ball. I think that'd be interesting. Get Matt Ryan in there as well. Have like an Atlanta Falcons-dominated best ball team. Yeah, you could put up a lot of points that way. But it remains to be seen. Hooper could be playing elsewhere next year. Um, New England, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know. Who's going who's gonna to pay him $40 million a year? Four years, $40 million? Five years, $40 million? Somebody will. Somebody always will. You know, it only takes one team to, to set the market price. And, and Austin Hooper, regardless of where he plays, is going to be paid handsomely. Last thing I want to bring up before we get into um, this draft analysis is David Johnson. He's going to count against the Cardinals cap this year, $14.156 million. If they did move on from him and released him, $16.2 million in dead money. That's what I'm talking about with these running back contracts. I mean, that is a bitter, huge pill to swallow. I don't know if the Cardinals will do it. You know, Kenyon Drake's a free agent, too. I mean, uh, excuse me, David Johnson is not a free agent, but they could easily cut him. But what's the answer at running back in Arizona? Maybe the answer is bringing both these guys back. You know, you still got Chase Edmonds there, too. He had a couple nice games this past season. Obviously, before Drake got there. Love the Drake, by the way. Tupac, you should let us know what, uh, what the, sheep, the, the non-sheeple rankings say about uh, what kind of rating Kenyon Drake got. He's an intriguing guy after he came over, put up some pretty bananas numbers for the Arizona Cardinals. Made fantasy owners very happy. Won a lot of people a lot of money. Especially, I think week 15 was his big blow-up. And another year in that offense with everybody, those young receivers, Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald back to stabilize things. That running back situation is going to be very, very interesting. Kenyon Drake got a sexy rating which is good. I forget what they are. There's sexy stone sheeple. And then the other one, there's four S's in the, I, and by, by the way, uh, Tupacker is getting huge play for his uh, non sheeple uh, rankings tonight uh, in the chat. I can't remember what the fourth one is. He'll let me know. Um, in that uh, FFPC draft, um, Kenyon Drake did go off the board as the first pick of the fourth round to, uh, 
a team that you that is that drafted him as their second running back. And we don't know where he's going to be. You know, that's the other thing with these with these early early drafts. You don't know where these players are going to be. Some of these players are going to be could represent huge values for a guy like Kenyon Drake. Maybe he is the bell cow there. And then all of a sudden, early fourth round looks like a steal. So the non uh, the, the rubric for the non sheeple ranking sexy means that. Uh, two-packer will draft him. Stone means that you don't draft him. Sheeple means he's overdrafted. And sure means I'll take a dart throw on them. <laughs> so there you have it. Very scientific stuff there from two-packer. And you can follow him on Twitter, at two-packer, always dispensing the knowledge there on Twitter for anybody who's interested. Uh, in any event, to, to wrap up this David Johnson uh, situation, if they were to wait one more season... Uh, the dead money is only going to be $3 million, and then they save $9 million uh, if they cut him. Uh, they'd have to eat $6 million of a prorated signing bonus if they end up trading David Johnson. I don't know how many people are too excited about acquiring David Johnson, but there probably would be a, a few people out there. With as disposable as running back is, and you know the other thing to keep in mind, we talk about how loaded this wide receiver classes uh, for, for this, this rookie draft that are coming up. Running back's pretty good, too. It got a little bit worse today because Travis Etienne uh, from Clemson announced that he is actually going to be staying uh, with the Tigers for his senior year, which was pretty surprising given that, you know, I thought somebody would take him in the first, first or second round for sure. He probably wouldn't slip to the third. But even without him, you, you got the two Big Ten guys and J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor and, and then DeAndre Swift. And all three of them you know, Taylor only for one season, but all three of them showed that they can catch the football too, which is huge for fantasy. Those guys, those three running backs right there, they might end up, as far as skill positions go, they might end up being like the fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe even later than that, maybe, maybe seventh or eighth skill position guys drafted. They could have all these wide receivers go in front of them, and they could still end up. One of those guys could end up being the 101 or 102 of rookie drafts, the de facto one, if they get to the right situation. And maybe that's what the the Cardinals could do. They take one of those guys, make the trade up, grab one of those guys in the late first. Maybe one of them slips to their pick in the second round, and then you let Drake go. You cut David Johnson. All of a sudden, you got a bell cow playing behind Kyler Murray with all those receivers. Mm. Got to improve that offensive line, but. But that would be very, very intriguing. Even if, even going to a bad team, I think that's very intriguing. To find out who the Arizona bell cow would be, if they did have a bell cow. I mean, it, I think Chase Edmonds is still under contract. He's, a good, uh, he's got a good deal right now. They're not going to get rid of him. He's going to factor in, no question. All right, let's get to this draft. Uh, two days ago, the FFPC launched best ball leagues for the 2020 season. Um, filled one right away, uh, filled a second shortly thereafter. I, I think there's like six or seven of them going on right now. We're going to focus on one. If you want to join one, go to myffpc.com. There's a link right there. Just click on the best ball graphic. And everything that's available will pop up there, pop in the league you want. They start as soon as they're filled and they go fast. Two-hour clock, six-hour clock. Uh, a lot of action this year, a lot of action. Taking you through the first round of this league, remember this is 28 rounds, tight end premium, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm not going to announce any of the, the teams or players because this was not announced as a public league. And I, I sort of want to still give these players anonymity for anybody who is in this draft. Some of these guys are on Twitter. They're tweeting out their picks. You'll be able to figure out who's who. The top two picks, no surprise, McCaffrey and Barkley. I want to talk briefly about that 103 pick in Michael Thomas. I had talked to some high-stakes players who said Michael Thomas might end up being the 101 in some drafts this year. You know, obviously setting the record for most catches in a season. With Drew Brees' arm strength, maybe not as powerful it was as it once was in makes it more desirable to throw to Michael Thomas over the middle in these intermediates. I mean, he basically, what he averaged last like 18 points a game, that's insane. For a receiver, there was not a whole lot of low floor games for him. And you think about all the running back busts that there were last year in the first round. To get a guy like Michael Thomas, I, I can get on board with that. I don't know if I can get on board at 103. For instance, the guy who went at 105, I might take him over over Michael Thomas, and that's Dalvin Cook. Minnesota Vikings put a huge emphasis on running the football this year, and they ran it well. I mean, there were times that, you know, I would never compare Dalvin Cook to Barry Sanders because they're not in the same league, but he made plenty of plays out there where there was nothing blocked for him, and he'd end up getting not two or three yards. He'd get five or six. Catches the ball. You know, he tore his ACL. He looks to be totally, totally over that. Now, what's going to be interesting is now with Kevin Stefanski moving on from Minnesota to being the head coach at Cleveland, they're going to have a new OC there. I still think the mentality doesn't change with Mike Zimmer. He wants to play defense and run the football, especially with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, which I shouldn't rip on him so much, but you know he does have good games. He is inconsistent. But a guy who wasn't inconsistent was Dalvin Cook, outside of maybe last week when he went up against maybe the best defense in the league. He's been great all season. So for him going in the middle, we, we knew he was going to be a first-round pick, and he went up to 105. Two picks behind him was Derrick Henry, who's, you know, turned these playoffs into a joke. <laughs> you know, Titans just blasting everybody, be it New England, be it Baltimore. And we'll find out Sunday if Kansas City's next on the hit list. With a big game, he could break... John Riggins' record for most rushing yards in a single postseason was 610. Would not surprise me at all if he did, the way he's running the football. And if they somehow beat Kansas City, then he's going to have a Super Bowl to do it too. A little bit of an asterisk, I guess, with, with four games, but even still. One pick after that, another running back in this draft at the 108, Joe Mixon. Seven of the first eight picks were running backs in this league. And he's a guy who disappointed a lot of players last year. Kind of came on at the end. He's going to have Joe Burrow playing in front of him. Probably no A.J. Green. Needs another playmaking receiver to sort of take the, the, you know, the, the top off the defense to get underneath. They're going to get, I forget what his name was, the rookie left tackle from Alabama who tore a pack or had some serious injury, and he went on IR right away. He's going to get him back in that offensive line. So things were about as bad as they could be for Joe Mixon this year, and he, and he still you know, put up decent numbers. Not great. Definitely not what you're expecting if you took him in the first round. But he could be a good bounce-back guy. I actually thought the price on him would be a little bit lower. I didn't think he would go as high as he did, but this is one draft. Let's talk about the one pick of this draft that Twitter was a buzz about. <clears throat> 
that's the 112. The third receiver off the board, after Michael Thomas, after DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Brown, the final pick of the first round, as the third receiver off the board. Now, I listen, I was a big A.J. Brown fan coming in. He was my favorite receiver in last year's draft class. I actually drafted him in a couple of dynasty spots. Can't wait to deploy him again next year. But, I mean, there is a lot of chimera to his game. And by that, I mean he was super efficient with his touches. He took a lot of his touches to the house. Now, that could mean maybe they use him more this year because they see what he can do, or maybe he regresses a little bit. My feeling is, and I know you want to take chances. It's early. You have fun. My feeling is you take away all of the value with A.J. Brown by taking him at the 112. There's nothing left. You know, you're, 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 paying, you're paying for something that, that's probably above his ceiling. Now, Tupacker says that's where he's going to go this year. He is going to go at that one-two turn. If that happens, okay, so be it. I'm just going to be out on him. But with an offense that ran the ball as much and, and as effectively as the Titans have been doing, the fact that A.J. Brown has had more than his fair share of clunkers, you know, he could easily have these one-for-nine games next season too with, with Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do know. I cannot get on board with this pick at the end of the first round. Could turn out great. It could be a fantastic pick when you look back on it. I, I, and I hope it is because I do own him, like I said, in a, in a few dynasty leagues. But I don't know. It's, that's not something I could um, – not something I could pull off. All right, moving on to the second round here. Um, Leonard Fournette at the 205, uh, he, he gets a nice little bounce back after his performance last year, caught a lot of passes. You know, they're talking about interviewing Scott Linehan for the offensive coordinator position, and they're already keeping Doug Marone on. You know, that may not be great for um, the Jaguars to kind of keep that same mentality, that same kind of attitude. Might be good for Leonard Fournette because maybe he puts up another good season. He stayed relatively healthy as well. Uh, and, you, you know, after these elite guys are off the board, uh, you know, there's, a, there's some question marks that go after him. Aaron Jones was the pick after that, and, and I think he's due, obviously, for some touchdown regression next year. But I don't know which one I'd rather have between Fournette and Jones. Probably Jones, because I trust the offense more, better quarterback, better coach. But I could see the case for Fournette. Chris Godwin is actually the first Tampa receiver off the board. He goes at 207. Mike Evans goes at the 211 in this draft. So, and we're going to see this this year. We're, the, the, I don't know if it's going to be half and half, but Chris Godwin is going to go as the first receiver off the board in plenty of leagues uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over Mike Evans. He was a guy that, that really got pumped up, I believe, in hard knocks his rookie year out of Penn State. And people said, don't compare him to Allen Robinson. He's not Allen Robinson. Well, he might be better with what he showed. Jameis Winston has no fear pumping down the, the ball uh, across the field, whereas Joe Testator would say, driving the football down the field. Godwin and Evans are going to be big beneficiaries of that again. And maybe we, we finally see this O.J. Howard break. I don't think we're going to see an O.J. Howard breakout, 
but I bet we see a handful of games where, you know, he's a top five tight end. Austin Eckler, the free agent Austin Eckler, goes off the board at the 208, which is interesting because you don't know where he's going to land, and you don't know where he's going to where he's what what role he's going to be or have on his new team. I don't think he can trot him out there as a bell cow, but I mean, if if he gets used in a similar fashion to how the Chargers used him last year, yeah, he's totally worth that point in the draft. And anybody who pays him probably wants to use him. So it's one of those things where you feel a little bit nervous. You know, you you keep that finger over over the mouse button a little bit longer. Because you're not sure, jump in. I think the water's fine on Eckler. I think he's going to have a good season. Uh, Miles Sanders, the pick after that. Obviously, we can see where, where this is going. The Eagles still have a really good – it's aging, but they still got a really good offensive line. May have to replace, replace Jason Peters uh, at left tackle. He could go bye-bye, but they already have a ready-made replacement in Andre Dillard there. Um, so, so they may not miss a beat. And with obviously with those two tight ends there in, in Ertz and Goddard, they're going to be able to – move the ball on the ground just fine. And Sanders should be a big beneficiary of that. They fight like, you know, it might be a year late. He, he got drafted kind of high last year. People were hoping for bell cow status throughout the season. They didn't get it till probably the last third of the season, but you had to be pretty pleased with Miles Sanders for those uh, handful of games. And uh, there should be more in store for him next season. Kenny Galladay, the two packer special going off the board as the final pick in the second round. Number nine receiver off the board, too, which is interesting because Tupacker will swear to you and tell you over and over again, Kenny Galladay is not a wide receiver one. (laughs) In this draft, he is. At least he was drafted as it. Stafford needs his back heel, but, you know, think about what Galladay did with, I can't even remember his name now, um, the, the third stringer that was in there. He, he, he did all right. He held his own. Big body, learning the route tree better. He's still fast as all get out. I could see that. Kenny Galladay going off the board as the final pick of the second round. Start your draft off with McCaffrey and Galladay. Now you got a team, as George Costanza would say. And, and you know, I always... I like Marvin Jones, but he's he's just he, he's like one notch above a jag, you know, just a guy. And I this guy could be the limit for Kenny Galladay this year. The only thing I think the the the, the big question mark I would see holding him back is a step forward again with Carryon Johnson, and and I think they found something in Scarborough too, running the ball. They had a pretty successful last couple of weeks when, when Johnson came back and they formed a pretty good one-two punch with those two in the backfield. If they're able to effectively run the ball, that might take away from Galladay a little bit because if you're drafting him that high, you kind of want Detroit to be down in games. You don't want them playing these slobber knocker close matchups. You want them down so they're bombing the ball to Galladay. That's what I would be rooting for if I took Kenny Galladay at the 212. Lamar Jackson, the um, guy who's probably going to win MVP this year, he's the first quarterback off the board at the 302. I won't take him there. I mean, I, I probably got him seven rounds later in the drafts I took him last season. I'm a, I'm a big weight on quarterback guy, even with a guy as electric as Lamar Jackson. And prepare to be bombarded on Twitter with all these analysts, not that they're wrong, but talking about how it's still the smart play to draft Lamar Jackson early. It, it's still the smart play to 
to excuse me to draft Lamar early because nobody calls him Lamar Jackson or Jackson. Everybody calls him by their first, by his first name. Apparently, everybody's buddies with him. I didn't realize that. But Lamar Jackson is going to go too high for me. Third round, too high for me. I want to stack my backs and receivers, or if I was playing in the FFPC, an elite tight end. I, he's going to do numbers again next year, no question. But at, at what, what's the cost? I, I, I still think there's going to be quarterback value in that 8, 9, 10 area, which is where I'm going to focus my, uh, my quarterback uh, investments. Uh, Lamar given a sheeple ranking by Tupacker. Lamar early is the sheeple of all sheeple picks. Yeah, I can kind of get behind that. We talked about DJ Moore at the 304. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. Zach Ertz goes off the board at the 305. He's the third tight end off the board ahead of uh, Dallas Goddard. I'd be interesting to, interested to see, once we get some more data, to see how close Goddard and Ertz are in um, you know, how close they go in the drafts. Because I think they're going to be closer than ever this year. Odell Beckham, we talked about him. He falls to the 307 in this draft. Keenan Allen, nice little value at the 308 there. Maybe there's question marks of who the quarterback's going to be in the char- for the Chargers this year, and that's why he fell. Um, more question marks, too, with, with the Chargers. Melvin Gordon dropping to the 310. We don't know where he's going to be. It probably won't be in Los Angeles. Le'Veon Bell falling to the end of the third round. James Conner falling as well. I think Pittsburgh is going to be investing a, a day-two pick in, in their running game there uh, to add to James Conner. Um, Patrick Mahomes was the second quarterback off the board at the 404 tonight. Devin Singletary and Marlon Mack, they go back to back in the fourth round here at the 406 and the 407. Those are two interesting names to be paying attention to. Singletary could take a big leap forward as well. Um, we, we kind of see him dust Frank Gore towards the end of the season. He can catch up. He's a football player. You know, his metrics weren't that great. But he does numbers. I mean, he can run the football. He can catch the football. He can pick up the blitz. So he's going to be on the field a lot. I like Devin Singletary. If we were still doing the ascendant, he might be a guy uh, that I would look for. That he could he could be our hype guy this year too. Uh, Darren Waller is the fourth tight end off the board. Not a huge surprise there. First rookie off the board is indeed J.K. Dobbins, uh, the Ohio State running back, going at the um, at the 409, and then a couple of Rams receivers, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. And right now we are at the 502. Stephon Diggs, and the last one I'll talk about is DJ Chark, uh, the Jacksonville receiver. He goes at the 501 in this draft. Seems high for what should be an, another run-based team, but you're kind of, you know, it, it, it thins out. You're talking about how many receivers off the board here at, at that point. Look, I think he was the 20th receiver off the board. Still seems high. I don't think I would be able to pull the trigger. There's still some intriguing names out there. But sky's the limit for him. You know, we'll see what they do at quarterback, too. If it's Minshew or if it's Foles, maybe, maybe they move Foles for a pick to a quarterback-needy team. Of course, if you are a quarterback-needy team, you probably aren't parting with picks. You're probably hoarding those. But DJ Chark is a guy that I think is uh, going to be polarizing this year. I don't know if I'm on Team Chark or not. I don't think I am. But I could be sold on it. I'll have to check out the non-sheeple rankings that Tupacker is putting out. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Tupacker. And uh, we'll have more analysis on this draft and more drafts going forward. Like I said, we'll, 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 we'll delve into the ADP when uh, Fantasy Mojo posts that and we have um, 
we have some more uh, more data to go with rather than just uh, this one draft. But it was fun talking about it. I always love analyzing drafts here when, when the season, the actual NFL season isn't even over with yet. That's fun to talk about uh, when, you, when, you, when you have a chance to, to, to really, I mean, not that, again, I'm not setting the ADP or anything like this, but to really look at how these high-stakes players are thinking uh, while we still have three more games to go in the NFL season, that's always fun. And this was a fun show. I want to thank everybody who listened live. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, uh, each and every one of you in the chat room hanging out. Aces, Rebels, always like talking to, to Lexus. Two-Packer hanging out in there as well. Had a fun little time in here tonight. It's a good show. Probably because I'm just saying that because it was only my voice uh, tonight. It's a, little, it's a little egomaniacal, but it is what it is. I had fun. I guess I, you know, I don't know if it was a good show, but I had fun. I'll say that. Uh, next week, we will have Dave uh, back in the uh, studio. He will return, as well as we will have 2019 FFPC $20,000 varsity number one champion, Tony DeCibio. He will be uh, joining us to talk all about how he won that twenty grand against some of the best drafters out there in that varsity competition. Remember, the 2020 best ball drafts are indeed live at MyFFPC.com. Dynasty Orphans, check those out. There's a lot of good deals there, MyFFPC.com. Enjoy the conference championships, everybody. Hopefully I'm talking about a Packers Super Bowl appearance this time next week. Your weekend starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team explore, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Well, other rappers find a studio to grind in. I should also mention, too, that in addition to Dave returning next week, coming up, I always forget when we do this, I think it's towards the end of February or maybe it's early March. Uh, we'll, we're going to total up the I Got Five on it boards. Uh, truth be told, I have not actually looked at them uh, yet for all. I mean, we have some of them totaled up, but not all of them. So I will take a look at that. We'll total those up, see how we ended up, see if I can draw a little bit closer to him on a season-by-season basis uh, as I need to make some hay. Um, Hopefully uh, in the playoff challenge, the ball bounces your way and, uh, and you can make up some ground uh, in the conference championships on Sunday. Either way, should be two really fun football games, and we're going to find out who's in the Super Bowl after that. Thanks again so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week.